Are you not having a good day? We all falter sometimes. All it takes is a little unasked for criticism or someone just treating us harshly to trigger us into a spiral of negative self-talk and anxiety about not being liked. No matter who you are or what your status is, you know that your success cannot depend on the opinions of others. Like the wind, opinions change. As the weather, opinions change frequently. To succeed in any endeavor, you must stay the course, no matter what the cost. Join us every Thursday at 12 p.m. and 7 p.m. GMT with your host Trevor Jeremiah Carter. Remember the new you starts today not tomorrow. Side Street Voice Forever and a day will be
Okay, everyone, welcome, welcome. Webinar, welcome to the Men's Action Group. I am so glad to be having our wonderful special guest all the way from the United States, and he will be sharing us a very, very powerful story that I can assure it will either make you become a better man, a better woman, a better child. Because when it comes to life stories, there's always something that we can learn. So today I want to get ready for sit tight in your seat because we're definitely be going into something that's worthwhile your time. Now, again, before I start, there are a couple of things that I'd like to share. So for all of us to get the benefit of what's going to be happening so that we can get focused on our special guests and what's happening here. Now, before we start, it's important to get any distraction out of the way. The only way you're going to focus now, social media. If you do have any social media, I do suggest that you close them down because one of the things we do find out that it slows down your process, especially if you're opening a video or any, any applications, it slows down your, your PC, your app, and your phone. So again, if you don't mind, shut down all your social media. Also, if you have a mobile, we want everybody to be focused on this interview as much as possible. If you do use a mobile, please do mute yourself and then obviously stop what you have to do and then come back because guess what? We can hear your conversations online. So please do keep your mobile and you do have to answer it. Please do mute yourself and come back on. Any background noise, we got the dog running about, the children running about. Please do remember if you're unmuted, we will hear everything in the background. So again, the most important thing is to get you to focus on this show. All right, so hopefully that will help. Now, just to encourage you, if you are wanting to be a guest on the show, there's an action group at gmail.com. So if you do have, want to have to be a guest on our show, please do email at that email address. Okay, also we do have a group all the way from Nigeria, Abudi. They're called Side Street Boys. I will be doing a live interview with them on Thursday, the 27th of May, 7 p.m. Now, especially about this group, they are in work with UK Mums Group to help reduce violence among the youth in UK and in the continent. So they are working alongside with the young women in UK to support a project to reduce the crime the crime that's going on among our young people. This group are asking for your donation and for your support. They're getting their voice out through their music. They're based in Nigeria, a wonderful group, and I have a couple of their music that I will play later on to get a feel of some of their music. So again, you can join us at the end of the recording. I will be sending you a link that you can join me on Thursday the 27th of May at 7 p.m. And their latest song is called Forever and a Day. Okay, so let's go straight into it, ladies and gentlemen. Again, I'd like to say thank you all for coming on and joining us. And we do have a special guest with us. I'm so excited to have him with us. Uh, let me just see if I can put the PowerPoint together. Okay, so we've got a guest. 
And our guest is going to be telling us lots of things that will hopefully get your pen and paper ready because you never know. There may be some key information that you can take away. So again, in that exact case, welcome to our show, Kenton. Hey, hey, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here, man. This has been a long time waiting, so thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure to have you. And uh, you've got a lot to share. I've looked at your profile and I'm like, this is another game. It's another game, forward play, back play. It's definitely forward play. Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, great stuff. Uh, just before, for the sake of our listeners, if you don't mind, give us some of introduction of who you are and a little bit about your background and what you do before you came to where you were, if you don't mind. Yeah, my name is Kenyon Glover. Uh, I'm born and raised in Monroe, Louisiana, very small country town. Uh, so I'm a country boy. Um, so I went on to University of Massachusetts, then transferred to University of Maine, which I graduated with a bachelor's degree in business management. Then I went on to, um, actually, I, I went to London, England and played for the Plymouth Raiders uh, mm -hmm. for a while. And then I got picked up by the NBA later on. I had a very, very short career in the NBA. I had a career ending knee injury that ended my career at an early, early stage. I just got started. Just reached the pinnacle of success that I had been dreaming of all my life, and it was taken away from me in a matter of a few months. So that right there kind of sent me spiraling downhill. You know, I went into a deep, deep depression, suicidal, even attempted suicide on my life multiple times. Um, and then God prompted me to go into the entertainment industry. I got into the entertainment industry, acting, uh, filmmaking, modeling. Um, and I actually started writing my first book back in, I think, four or five years ago. I wrote my first book and, um, you know, I became more and more popular in the, in the film and entertainment industry. So I started getting more and more opportunities, more doors started opening for me. And I've done, I think, 80 projects to this date, you know, 80 film and television projects to, the, projects to this date. And it's been it's been a great, great ride, man. It's been an up and down journey. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I talk about that journey in my latest book, my second book I just released. Nice. Um, I, I, I talk about that journey in my second book, and it, you know, it, it's been it's been it's been up and down. You know, it's been a, it's been trials and tribulations, but I'm still here, man. God has got me still here. I'm still blessed, and, and just like I said, honored to be on this show, man. I'm so grateful. So I've heard so much good things about this show, so many good things about you, man. So I'm right. grateful. Absolutely fantastic. Now, I want to take you a little bit back to your childhood because it all starts at home. To say the first thing you learn is from home. So, tell me a little bit about your growing up in the small country boy area. Did you have an ambition of where you are now, or was it something that you were not aware of and suddenly you worked to that progress and you got to where you are? Country life and family life, how was that like? Well, you know what, growing up in a small town of, of Monroe, Louisiana, my first dream was to go to the NBA. That was my first dream, you know, and at, I think at the age of eight, I started playing basketball. My stepdad used to take me outside and, and, and you know, help me work on my game and things like that because I used to watch Michael Jordan all the time. And when I watched Michael Jordan, I was like amazed at what this dude could do. I was like, you know what, I can do that. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to mesmerize people like he was doing. So that was my first dream to go to the NBA. And I, I held on to that dream. 
I said, you know what? I'm going to kill myself trying to accomplish that dream. I don't care where I'm from. I'm in a small town or whatever. I didn't care. I mean, when you're at a young age, you don't know that you're in a small town and nobody really is going to know who you are and recognize you and things like that. I didn't know. I just thought, hey, as long as I play basketball good, I would get recognized. But I had to work so hard, man, and, and, and do different things that I wasn't really accustomed to doing. Like I was... Initially, I was I was intentional about sending colleges um, my own um, resumes and letters. You know, I would send colleges my my letters and saying, "Hey, you know, I, I play at such and such high school. Please come recruit me. Please come check me out." I was writing schools personally myself to tell mm. schools to come recruit me. You know, I didn't wait for them to hear about me or read a newspaper about me. I took the initiative to say, "Hey." I'm writing, I mean, I was writing North Carolina and Michigan and, you know, all these big schools that I probably knew that was not going to know about me, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a chance and, and do it anyway. Um, and it paid off. It paid off. You know, colleges started taking um, notice of me and my skills and I was being recruited heavily. And uh, the next thing you know, you know, I was getting, you know, recruitment letters from all these different big schools and it, it was just amazing, man. So, yeah, I mean, the NBA dream was was instilled in me at an early age. I just knew I was going to get there no matter where I was from, you know, being in a small town, country boy. I was adamant. I was determined to get to the NBA. Right. Now, the reason why I tell you about that is because a lot of, uh, obviously, Black families, we have a certain way of thinking, your mother and father, I want you to be a lawyer. I want you to be a doctor. Did you have any challenges in the pushback when you told them you want to go to MBA? Did they agree with you or did they prefer you to go to college and learn to be a lawyer, a doctor, whatever? What challenges do you experience? You know what? The only people that, that really gave me pushback was, was people, my, my, my friends. You know, my friends was like, man, you're not going to go to no MBA. Like, we, we live in Monroe, Louisiana. Nobody's going to pay you any attention. So, I mean, my parents, of course, always believed in me. They said, hey, you can do whatever you put your mind in doing. You know, if you want to go to the NBA, you're going to go to the NBA. You know, just keep working hard. You know, I had those kind of parents that pushed me and, and tried to elevate me. But the only pushback and negativity I received was, you know, my own peers, um, you know, and people in the school, you know, teachers, like, oh, you ain't going to make it. You know, nobody's going to take notice of you in this small town. So I was going to prove everybody wrong. I wanted to make, the, you know, the, the doubters feel my pain, you know, mm -hmm. and I, that's, that's what pushed me even more because I wanted to prove everybody wrong. I wanted to make sure that I made it out of here and went to the NBA and I can look back and say, see, hard work does pay off, you know? So right. um, that was the only pushback and negativity I received was among my own peers and, and teammates and stuff like that. And I, that gave me even more fuel, like I said, to keep going and keep working hard and to prove everybody wrong. Right, right. Now, the key to point this is you were very focused. And a lot of people don't see the same vision and dream of the ones who always try to stop you from seeing that dream. Right. When it comes to focus, what's the important thing for people to understand? Growing up in a country boy, people saying, how are you going to be an MBA? You're not going to make it. What made you so focused to be able to get to where you are? You know, it's always been instilled in me to be something great. I always felt like I was supposed to be something great. Um, mm. My stepdad, um, you know, he, he, he raised me, uh, you know, along with my mom. Um, and he always would lecture us. My stepdad was one of those people who would lecture us for like two, three, four hours, like nonstop. And we would sit there and be like half asleep while he's still talking. 
and he would still be talking. <laughs> but he would always he would always tell us, you know, that we can be anything that we want, um, but we have to work hard and be determined and dedicated and and things like that. And I always would listen, and I always knew that it was something in me that was supposed to be more than just average. I knew I just wasn't supposed to be an average mediocre type person that was just going to settle for a nine to five type job i just knew it was something inside of me man that just mm. like, you're supposed to be something special you're supposed to be something great and mm. that burning desire inside of me never died and that's what kept me going that's what pushed me into to want to be the best person that i could be and the best uh, athlete that i could be because i always felt that desire man to be something great and i just was not going to stop until i saw it through so I, I stayed with it man and that was my focus that was my focus I always remembering those lectures that my stepdad used, used right. to lecture us about <laughs> and that that just played replayed in my head over and over like kenyon you need to keep pushing you know you're supposed to be something great you're going to be something great so keep fighting no matter what pushback you get no matter what comes up against you keep fighting man because you're you're meant to be something special Right, right. What age group were you at that time from when you left home and ended up getting into MBA? What age group were you talking then? Uh, what, what was the question again? Uh, from you left home and you're going to NBA, what age were you at that time when that happened, the transformation? Oh, yeah, I left home. I left home when I was 18, went to college. Um, I got to the NBA um, at a late stage. I was, what, 25, I think? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So you could class that as the, you would look at it as a spiritual journey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as you said, there was something deep inside of you, and it does take a lot of work to try and explain that for people who can't see it. Yeah. But you had that strong belief, and you went with it. You were focused, and the reason why I ask that because a lot of our, I would say, black men, do not have that kind of capacity, that urge, that willingness, and they give up. Yeah. But your story, this is why I believe this story is going to have a great impact on the listeners and particularly the black men to understand if you can do it, I can do it. Yeah. But it's a process. You have to go through a process. And you said ups and downs. Yes. So tell us a little bit about the idea of going into coming to UK. And there are two things I want to ask you now. Now, you got snapped up. You went to Plymouth. Tell me a bit about the culture shock. And also the journey of you going to play in UK. What was your thoughts? Was that something you knew were going to happen, or was it just a reality? Well, you know, I was I was discouraged at first because uh, you know I graduated from college. I entered I entered the NBA draft. I didn't get drafted, and that discouraged me a lot um, because I knew that I should have been drafted. I knew I was good enough to be drafted. I saw the players that went ahead of me that were drafted. I was like, wow, I'm, I'm 10 times better than these dudes. Like I would kill these dudes on the court. Um, so I was, I was discouraged. I, I'm, mainly because I knew the school that I went to, University of Maine, didn't really get that much recognition. So therefore I didn't really get the eyes on me that I wanted to because of the school I went to. So that discouraged me, you know, by not getting drafted and by not getting any looks at all, any calls from any NBA teams at that time. So, you know, of course, then some international teams started reaching out and um, the coach that I was playing for at Maine at that time, his good friend was the head coach of the Plymouth Raiders. 
And he was, you know, he, he sold me on Plymouth. So I was like, okay, coach, I, I'll go check them out. So I, I went over there, flew over there, and they, they made a good pitch to me. So I decided to give them a try, man. And it was it was a great experience. I'm, I'm definitely glad I went. Um, Plymouth, I mean, England is just, a, we, I, we were talking earlier, Plymouth, yeah. I mean, England is just such a beautiful place, man. It's, it's the people are just warm and friendly and um, especially if you're an athlete. I mean, of course, you know, right. they love athletes out there. So it was yeah. a great experience for me. I would definitely go back again. I want to come back again and visit, of course, but right. uh, one of the best experiences I've ever had, you know, going over there and, you know, just experiencing that culture and that background and, and you know, interacting with the, you know, people of, of, of London and England. And it was, wow, it was an experience to remember. Um, and then when I finally got the call, you know, to go to the NBA, <clears throat> I knew that it was it was destined for me to get there because you know, I set I set the intention at an early age yeah. and I finally got that call. But I, I would never take back anything from my time spending in, in Plymouth and England. It was like I said, the greatest experience I could probably ever ever experience. Right. So how long was it you in the UK before you got the call from the NBA? How long were you playing over here? Uh, it was close to about seven months. Wow. Yeah. Is that a normal length of time for somebody to get snapped up for the NBA? Or would you say it's a year or two years before they call you? Yeah, normally it's way longer. Normally it's, uh, normally it's like two, three years spent overseas Ooh. first before getting called up. Yeah. Because you have to because you have to prove yourself. You have to go over there and put over big put up big numbers, you know, get get a lot of highlights going on. And you know, me, I went over there immediately and start killing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. I, went over there, I went over there on a mission, man. So I was not playing around. You know, I was determined, man. I was not giving up. And I was I was putting myself on notice. So I went right. over there on a mission. I was good. I was saying, you know what? I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get to the NBA. I'm gonna take notice. Somebody's gonna notice me. I'm gonna go over there and kill, destroy whoever, whoever's guarding me. So right. <laughs> I had that mamba mentality. So yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. they took notice. So is this normal for any, I would say, African American to leave US, go to Spain, Germany, or England and play for a short period of time and then get snapped up and go back to NBA? Is that normally the method or it's longer, you say? Yeah, it's longer. It's a longer process. You know, you have to be over. You have to be overseas at least two to three years. Like I said, to prove yourself and to put up good numbers on a consistent basis, um, because they want to see consistency over the amount of you know two or three years. Right. But um, but yeah, I, that's not a normal process to get snatched up early like I did. Yeah. Right. Right. So, what do you think allowed you to be snapped up in seven months? Why? What different did you do? to be snapped up into seven. Now, by the way, seven is a special number, by the way. <laughs> seven is a biblical number, you know, right. that's a special number. What would you do in for get that attention rather than waiting two, three, three years? There's something different there. Well, you know what? I, I harassed the heck out of my agent, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> my agent at that time, I harassed him every single day. I was like, look, man, I'm over here putting up numbers. I, I put up 40 last night. I put up 50 the other night. I put up, you know, 45 this night. I was like, you need to be contacting these NBA scouts and putting me on notice. So I was harassing my agent, you know, every single day. 
hey, did you see, did you see what I put up tonight? This is this is the game film right here. Send it over to such and such. Send it over right. to the Miami Heat. Send it over to the NBA scout for this team. So I was right. on him. I was I drove him crazy. <laughs> so so yeah, I was I was just harassing my agent pretty much, you know. And he was on it. I'm grateful that I had a good agent that was on it. He was always calling, always on the phone with different teams, always you know making sure they that that I was on notice. So you know, just thank goodness I had a good agent that believed in me. So. That, that, right. that pretty much was the, the, the turning process for me. Right. Now, something I want to highlight in there, what you just said, you said it from the beginning. It was the mindset. How you came to UK, seven months, snapped up MBA back to the States. And I'm trying to show people the power of the mindset yeah. and that willingness. It does change your environment. And this is why your story and your book, which I'm going to go into very soon, I believe going to have a tremendous impact on people to start looking internally more within themselves and start looking at things a bit more logically. Right. So this is where I think you going back to US as an MBA. Now, was there a specific team that you had on your heart you wanted to play for, but the option was you went to another team? Who would you say you would have preferred to have gone to if you had the opportunity, if you could turn the clock back? Which MBA team would you say? Well, you know what? I really didn't care. I didn't care. I just wanted to play in the NBA. It didn't matter what team. Didn't matter what team. I just wanted to, as long as I could play in the NBA, it could have been the sorry. It could have been the sorry team in the world. I did not care at that time. Uh, I didn't care. Period. You know, I, th I don't think any athlete. Well, I think nowadays certain athletes want to go to certain places, but at right. that time, you didn't really care who, what team drafted you, where you went. You know, it was just all about having that NBA status on your resume. Right. That's all that really matters. So I, I really didn't care. Right, yeah. right, right. What was your parents' response at that time when they saw you go to UK seven months? My son coming back already? NBA. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of thinking, my son come back. What was their response and your family's response in seeing you as an individual going all the way overseas and coming back? Did they you see what? what you saw? You know what? They They knew that I was determined. They knew that I was not gonna quit. I was not gonna quit till I reached the destination that I set my mind to reach. They knew I was gonna make it to the NBA eventually because I was set on it. You know what I'm saying? I was so determined and I was not gonna quit. I was not gonna let, you know, this roadblock. Well, I didn't really see it as a roadblock. I saw it as a, you know, opportunity to keep playing, of course, because because it's, it's better to keep playing and not play at all. Um, so I, I saw it as a, um, you know, just a detour. You know, right. just a detour, a detour to get to the NBA. Um, but I was going to eventually get there. But my parents, man, they were so excited, man. They were so happy for me. Um, you know, they held a little party for me, a little congratulations <laughs> party for me. So um, it, it was it was magnificent, man. It was the, the energy of, of their support, man, was just out of this world. It was phenomenal. Um, right. I mean, my parents have always supported anything I did. They was just happy that I was happy. So as long as I was happy, they was happy for me. So, um, yeah, I mean, my, my parents' support has always been tremendous, man. So that's, right. that's, what's pretty much, that's, that's what's pretty much been keeping me going to this day is their energy, their support, and, and their willingness to um, back me, you know, regardless of what I decide to do, where I go. They're always behind me 1,000%. Right, right. Wow, what a journey. You always say when one road goes open, the other road opens again.
Yes, exactly. Uh, the, and that's what happened. It's like a, a, a ball bouncing back and forth. But you understood this journey very clear. Yeah. Um, and it became more passionate and an opportunity for you. Now, you came back, MBA. Tell us a little bit about your journey with the NBA team and how long were you playing? What was happening there? Yeah, so I signed with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and as soon as I signed the contract, man, you could just, I think I smiled for like, 10 days straight, like nonstop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I was so excited, man. I was like, you know what? I made it, man. I made yeah. it. This is the dream I had since I was eight years old, and I did it. I proved wow. everybody wrong, and I told everybody from high school, my hometown, I told you I was going to do this. Right. So I, I, I um, you know, it, it, it was the most phenomenal feeling that you could ever feel. I mean, mm. I can't even express how, how, how thrilling the experience was and the feeling was. And I made it to the NBA. I just kept saying this to myself. I made it to the NBA. All, right. this, hard, all this hard work <laughs> and determination I put in paid off. I'm here. So right. you know, as soon as I signed the contract and I, I put my jersey on and I'm in, in the NBA locker room and I'm walking around, you know, doing media interviews. And yes. It was just... Oh my goodness, man! The energy, the the, the spirit—it was just—I mean, it's unexplainable. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's—it's. It's, I mean, I'm I'm reliving the moment right now. It was just more—you know—one of the most amazing experiences ever, man. And um, I will always cherish that moment, even though it was very short-lived. Um, I will always cherish it. Now I, I can say that, hey, I played in the NBA. I I did it. You know, I right. accomplished my goal. I accomplished my mission that I set out to do. So you know, I can say mission accomplished. Right, right. So tell us your greatest moment playing for the Bucks and top teams you were playing against and players. Tell us a bit about that feeling because I'm sure you were playing against well-known NBA players, been playing for a number of years, and you're actually playing back up or forward, challenging. You were literally flesh to flesh with them. Tell us a bit that experience. Wow, man. You know what? I'm like, man, I'm, I'm on the court with the greatest players in the world. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm on the court with Kobe Bryant and, and mm. Ray Allen and, 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 you know, people like that, Vince Carter. And, you know, I'm like, wow, this is amazing, man. I'm on the <laughs> same court with these players, rubbing elbows, like you said, and, you know, blood, sweat, and tears with these dudes. And um, it, it was just, it was it was unreal for a minute. I had to pinch myself and be like, is this real? <laughs> Am I yeah, really yeah. in this moment right now, man? Yeah. Um, I'm just, I just, I couldn't stop thanking God for this. And, um, you know, just looking at, like I said, Kobe Bryant in his eyes. And, yeah. You know, um, rest in peace to the late Kobe Bryant, man. Um, and, you know, people like that, of that status, you know, Allen Iverson, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is truly amazing, man. And just, I, I knew that the hard work that I put into my game, you know, it, it, it got me to where, I wanted to get to all that hard work. So, you know, anybody that's listening, man, if you if you have a dream, don't give up on your dream. You know, you can accomplish yeah. it. You just got to keep with it and stay with it and keep believing in yourself. And I never doubted myself for one moment that I wouldn't make mm. it. Even though, mm. like I said, I had that detour and, you know, going over, but I yeah. never doubted myself that I would not make it still. So, if you got a dream, if you're trying to accomplish a dream, don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on God because you can still 
make it. You can still make that dream a reality. You just got to keep believing, man, and never stop dreaming. Right, absolutely. And I can see why the book came out. <laughs> just by saying that, I'm like, oh, I got it now. This is why you wrote the book, because people are, I mean, the pandemic right now, people are losing faith. Yes. And that's why I think your book will have a tremendous impact on people say, listen, any environment you're in, if you put your mind right to it, anything can change. So this is why I'm, I know this book's going to blow people's minds. Now, how many seasons were you playing with the book before? Unfortunately, injury came in. Um, half a season, that's it. Wow, half a season. Half a, not even, not even, not even full half a season. Only three months. I only lasted three months. Whoa. Okay. Now here's the question. Now, obviously, your dream. You got into NBA. You're playing for the books. Less than half a season. What was that message telling you at that moment? What were you getting at that time? Um, at that time, I was, um, you know, I wasn't getting a lot of playing time, but I was playing, you know, here and there. Um, and then, you know, during during um, practice one day, um, I go up for a dunk and I come down and I land, just land all awkwardly, very awkwardly on my leg and my knee twisted like the bottom half of my knee went one mm -hmm. I mean, sorry, the bottom half of my leg went one way the top half went the other way so in between that is my knee so mm -hmm. my knee like everything in my knee tore ripped was completely gone i had to have total knee replacement so when you have total knee replacement during that time they didn't have the technology that they have today mm. so um they couldn't repair my knee fully they can only repair so much but you know the doctor told me that my career was over as a basketball player mm. and that at that moment <laughs> I, I it was like it was like everything went dark when he told me that it's like my whole world mm. went dark mm. you know what I'm saying and I couldn't believe what I was hearing I was like are, are you serious right now doc I could never play again there's nothing you could do I can't like have surgery and it can repair in a year or something or something and like I said because of the technology wasn't up to par as it is today that at that time they couldn't really do anything they could do you know as much as they could do but my basketball career was over you know and to hear that was probably the most devastating thing I've ever had to take you know and I didn't really know how to take it because I've never had anything that devastating to be told to me. Um, you know, I think before that, the only devastating news that I got was, you know, my grandmother, my grandmother passed away. Mm. And, you know, even that was an early age, but at this stage of my life, to hear something like that, I couldn't, I couldn't process it. You know mm. what I'm saying? I didn't know how to process it. So I completely shut down. I shut down to the world. I shut down to my family. I didn't want to deal with anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Mm. I wanted to be left alone and not be bothered and figure out how I was going to deal with this news that the, the game that I love was taken away from me and I could no longer play it. So that, mm. that was, uh, that was the, the, the turning point of my life right there. Mm. How, long did you, how long did you go through that experience, locking your way, yourself away from people, not talking? How long did that go on for before you could pick yourself up again? A uh, year. Went on for a wow. year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So at that time, 
obviously your career come to an end, your injury. Did you manage to identify a spiritual sound why your career came to an end? Did you get a, a revelation that made you realize, okay, because you mentioned earlier on, life is ups and downs. Right. Some people lose it like how you, you went through and think, you know what, this doesn't make sense. I can't figure it out. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey if you experienced it? Did you get a spiritual revelation after the sign of what this was really was about? Actually, yeah, because I, I attempted suicide on my life. Um, uh, about a month, about a month after hearing the news that I couldn't play basketball anymore, um, I attempted suicide. Um, I actually put a gun to my head and pulled the trigger mm -hmm. twice. Um, I put a revolver, you know, the revolver, the kind you spin and <laughs> mm. put that to my head and, and pulled the trigger twice and the gun, the gun jammed, like the gun literally jammed. Like it, it I pulled the trigger once and, you know, I checked it, I, the safety's off. I knew the gun worked fine. So I pulled the trigger again and it jammed the second time. Then when I took it outside and shot it in the air, because I lived, you know, I lived in a, in yeah. a nice house yeah. that was surrounded by other houses. Yeah. So, I pull the trigger in the air and the gun goes off just fine the third time. Mm. So when that when that happened, I knew that God had just spared my life. It just, you know, it it it, it was a revelation, like you said, for me that it wasn't my time to go, that God wasn't done with me yet. God wasn't, he was not done with me yet. It was more that I had to do. So at that moment, I just I fell down to my knees. You know, I I, I was holding the gun like this and I shot it when it went boom. I mm -hmm. literally dropped, I dropped the gun on the ground and I just immediately fell to my knees mm. and I just started, I started crying, man. Like the most I've ever cried in my life. And I was just, you know, holding my hands like this. And I was like, thank you, Lord. You know, thank you. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sitting there apologizing. I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm thanking the, I'm thanking God and, you know, um, I think that was a, a spiritual awakening for me for the first time, you know, in my mm -hmm. life. And mm -hmm. and that kind of really changed my whole mentality as far as, you know, believing in God and things like that. After that moment, I knew that was a God. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. God because this was just not a coincidence that my gun jammed, you know, right. and I knew God saved my life and he had more for me to do. So that was kind of the turning point for from a spiritual aspect for me. Right, right. Now. This is what I want to ask because these sports, um, there's a lot of pressure. Michael Jordan went through depression yeah. and he lost his father and he kind of come back. Right. But he did struggle because he had a, a, a partner, uh, a pro partner whose father also lost. So the two of them could kind of help each other. Now, what I always say to people, it's okay sharing the person with a number on their back. But when that door's closed, you don't know what's going on in their mind, in their home, in their family. It's a different environment completely. Right. Right. Now, obviously, you know, mental health and stress in sports now has gone to another level. Right. When you were playing and going through that, did you recognize or see other players who were going through the same thing as you, that they could sit down with you and talk to you and say, look, my career stopped or my wife or my child. Sports is big and a lot of things going on. Did you experience any of that? Um, you know what? Not really. Personally, I did not um, because I didn't really hang around the other guys like that because 
we was always we was always on the move. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when you're playing in the NBA, you're really not really still for like too long of a time to really kind of have good long talks and things like that. You're always on the move. You always got to do media stuff. You're always traveling. You're always, you know, doing different things. So um, we really never got a chance to sit down and really get to know the guys like that. The only time you really get to know the guys is kind of in the off season, you know, when things are a little bit slower and you're not really doing as much. Um, but I was, you know, I came in during the season. So um, there was really not, you know, too many moments that I could really sit down and really get to know the guys and hang out and things like that. So um, I really didn't, I can't really say I, I experienced that, you know, because like I said, I didn't really spend time with them in, in the off season because I didn't last that long with them. Right. So um, I can, so no, I didn't really, I didn't really experience that. Right, during my right. Time. Yeah. Right. So again, sports, you probably found out that people are coming out now, players are coming out and talking about that. and understandable now have to get that support and I think thankful to, the, to God was that you had a family who supported you right um, but at that time you have to go through what you're going through then you were able to see that God was hand was on your life yes tell us from there after you recognize that spiritual divine revelation what was the next step what happened after that uh, well you know I didn't really get completely out of my funk, um, even after the suicidal, you know, incident, uh, the attempt of suicide, I was still in a, in a deep, deep depression. You know, I didn't really just, you know, come out of it, just be all happy all of a sudden. Um, I was still depressed, man. I was depressed. I was still not talking to anybody. Um, even though, even though I had that spiritual awakening and God just saved my life from that, I still was depressed. I still, um, isolated myself from everybody. I didn't want to be bothered um, because I, I had to, you know, I had to kind of figure things out in my head on how I was going to survive now, you know, not being able to play basketball. What was I going to do with myself? So mm -hmm. it, it, I, I had to ask God a lot of questions like, okay, you, you just saved my life. So now what? What am I supposed to do with my life? Mm -hmm. Like all I knew was basketball, even though I had a business management degree. Um, and I always wanted to start my business on my own business, but basketball still was like in my blood. That was my, my love, my passion. Um, so I didn't know what to do and how to proceed. So I'm sitting there like, okay, what am I supposed to do? So I was depressed, man. I was still contemplating, you know, suicide mm -hmm. again, even after God just saved my life, I was still contemplating it again. Like, I can't do this, man. I don't know what to do, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Um, you know, I thought about suicide over and over and over again, even after that. Um, so I didn't, I didn't really know how to proceed, you know, how to move forward. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, of course, started seeing counseling, started seeing therapists and things like that, trying to help me cope with it. Um, because they, you know, they make us go pretty much as part of the NBA protocol. Um, cause I was still kind of attached, even though I couldn't play. Right. My contract was still, you know, up to a certain point. So, um, you know, they they made me go to counseling and see therapy and things like that. So it 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 helped a little bit, but yeah. you know, just sitting there talking to somebody and about your problems and about your issues, you know, it, it helps to a certain extent. But then after you leave them, it's like okay, you go back home and now you're sitting there, 
you know, yeah. look at the walls and just like, okay, you know, I don't, I don't know what to do. I can't handle this. So, right. so it took me about a year actually to kind of get out of that funk of feeling sorry for myself and feeling defeated and feeling depressed and feeling, you know, just like life is over, you know, right. it took me a year to get out of that funk. Right, and right. Even after that, you know, even after a year, I was still in and out. You know, so I would have my good moments, my good days, and then those bad days would just be like, oh, I can't do this. You know what I mean? So right, it, right. it was never like a perfect, happy day for me moving forward. You know, right, it was difficult. Well, Kenyon, I can relate to that because I went through depression myself for four years. And obviously people think, okay, you can snap out of it. I'm like, no, depending on what you've gone through mm -hmm. and how it happened and how long, that takes time. Uh, I understand uh, building a city don't get built overnight. Right. It takes time. Right. So obviously you've got to that stage. Um, tell us a little bit about how and what were your intention once you recovered after the year? What direction were you taking at that time? Um, well, my, my agent at the time, well, he was no longer my agent, but he had became my friend more after that time. Um, and he said he was getting contacted by uh, um, entertainment agents, you know, about me doing some modeling and possibly some acting. So, you know, he was, he asked me, you know, would you mind, you know, just giving acting and modeling a try? I was like, well, I guess why not? You know, I'm not really doing anything right now. So, um, and I started doing some modeling, man. And, and next thing you know, I was getting booked for major ads and, and commercials and things like this. And, um, you know, I was making good money. I was traveling and I, I, I found a new passion. I found a new love and I slowly started to fall in love with what I was doing. I slowly started to like doing modeling and I stumbled into acting and I started doing acting. I caught that bug. They, they say the acting bug. So yeah. um, the entertainment bug. So I caught it and, and I was like, you know what? I think I want to do this full time. I think I want to give this a try. So yeah. more and more I did it, man, the more and more I fell in love with it. And basketball slowly started to creep in the back of my mind. It was always still there, <laughs> you know, it, it can never leave, I don't think. But yeah. um, basketball was slowly being pushed in the back of my mind. And, you know, the entertainment industry was slowly making its way in the front of my mind. And that became my main focus. And the next thing you know, man, I was, you know, doing movies and, and, and like I said, traveling and doing a lot of modeling ads and modeling projects and things like that. And that kind of um, took off from there. And, and, and I found a new love. I found a new passion. But um, like I said, basketball never left my mind. Man. It was <laughs> always there. It was always that, you know, like, okay, yeah. you know, it's technology's got better now. I wonder if I can go get this knee fixed now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, it's a possibility. Yeah. You know, I've always yeah. had that, that, that thing in the back of my mind, like, okay, maybe I can go get a, you know, a new surgery done or whatever the case may be and, and get back on that court, you know? So right. that always creeped in my mind, man. So um, just, you know, and, and you know, even, the, even with that, man, with the entertainment industry throughout the last, you know, 10 years of being in it, you know, it's been a, a journey, you know, a lot of ups and downs with trials and tribulations that, right. you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into. Right. Right, right. <laughs> like you said, you what did it surprise you that you're getting a lot of bookings now in the filming industry? Did that kind of surprise you when you realize people are ringing you and getting on different acting performance? Did that surprise you? 
it did. It did because I, I never thought I had that kind of talent. You know, I didn't think that, um, you know, I knew that I was, you know, uh, a good looking guy, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, number one. That's number one. Then you have number two and three, yeah? <laughs> then more to number one, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> but I never thought that, you know, that people would want to use me for for modeling and acting and things like that. You know, that never crossed my mind. But when I got into it, I was like, okay, I could be onto something here. You know, maybe people could could use this face. I can make money using this face and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I started to get more confident with it and, and being in the entertainment industry. I felt more confident. I felt more comfortable. Um, and it, it was just amazing, you know? I was like, I never never would have thought I would have been doing this as, as a job. So uh, the more I did it, man, the more I became um, comfortable with it and, and confident in it. And um, before you know it, man, I was, I was working behind the scenes, but behind mm. the camera, I started producing and I wanted to direct and, and things like that. I wanted to be the one that giving me directions and things. I was like, okay. You know, my, my knowledge and my passion was growing more and more for it. So I was getting more and more excited and, and I'm, I'm still doing it to this day. So I know I got to be doing something right. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. And it just shows you the transformation from NBA. Suddenly the switch into something that you weren't really focusing on, but it was working. Right. And that's when you get the light bulb say, hold on a minute. How is this transformation happening like that? But you go back to what you were saying, you gave God thanks and you would like, what do I do next? Yes. So that transformation was a spiritual journey. And I've always had an old saying, um, whatever you lose, you're gonna gain. Yes. Something you lose, you're gonna gain. You're gonna lose something to gain. But unfortunately, in today's world, we've been taught, I've lost it, I won't get it back, but hey, Something I'm, there's a reason why you've lost that to get something what better. Absolutely. So uh, I mean, man, this is what I mean by ups and downs in journey. So in the acting, the doors are opening, you're getting lots of contacts behind the scenes. What was your thoughts at that time when this was really happening for you? Doors were opening all the time, opportunities. Still had the MBA in back in your mind, yeah. but I believe as you're going on, it was taking you somewhere that you wasn't too sure about, but it got greater. What was on your mind? Um, you know what? After a while, I became unsure of if this is the path that I'm supposed to be on. You know what I'm saying? Even though things are going great, I'm getting work, I'm getting booked for different things. Like I said, in the back of my mind, it's still basketball. And I'm, I'm questioning God, like, okay, Lord, as, as like I said, as, as technology is improving, um, maybe I can go get this knee worked on and get back on the court. So <clears throat> I'm, I actually went to a doctor. I said, hey, you know, this is my situation. You know, I was told I couldn't play ball anymore, but I know technology has improved now. Um, you know, is there anything you could do with my knee to repair it so that I can get back on the court and play to that level? And, um, you know, he, he said, there's a possibility. And when he said there's a possibility, I was like, are you serious? You know, I mean, I had been out of the game for what, a good six, seven years by this time. And <clears throat> I was, I was, like I said, even though I was doing good in the entertainment industry, but basketball was still something that I, I could not get past. I wanted to do, I wanted to go back just to see if it's possible that I could get back on that court and get back into the NBA. 
So, you know, the doctor said it's, it's a possibility. Um, but, the, you know, he said the chances are, you know, very slim, but, you know, we could try. And I had to think about it for a second. Um, you know, I'm like, well, you know, I was 30 something at this time. So I'm like, I'm 30 something years old. And do I really want to take this chance? Do I want to to take this opportunity, um, you know, to at least try? But something, something told me, no, just, just let it go, Kenyon. Just let it go. Just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great. You know, you, you're doing well in the entertainment industry. But that was, it was like a tug of war in my head. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Should I give it a try and, 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 and see what happens? Or should I just keep moving forward with what I'm doing now? Um, so I chose to keep moving forward. I chose to just let, let basketball be in the past, leave it alone, you know. The game has changed anyway. The game has gotten faster. So, yeah. Uh, plus, it would take me so long to rehab, I, even after the surgery, and 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 you know all these things were going in my head. Like, even if I rehab, you know, I may not get to one hundred ten percent like I want to. I may not be as strong as fast and be able to keep up with these players. And I was like, you know what? I'm just keep doing what I'm doing and 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 keep moving forward in the entertainment industry. Right. But in, even in the entertainment industry, I wasn't quite getting the level of success that I wanted to. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. I wasn't really getting into the big, big mainstream projects. You know, I was doing, you know, nice TV shows and 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 getting booked for major modeling ads like Nike and Reebok and Gatorade and things like that. I was getting noticed and I was getting paid well. Um, but I just couldn't get to that main mainstream, mm. you know. The main blockbuster type movies, yeah, yeah. Like that. yeah, and it was discouraging. It was very discouraging. And yeah. even though I was, I was working, I was hustling, I was grinding, I was doing everything I needed to do to 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 try to get to that level, to try to get better as an actor and improve. And I just wasn't getting there, and I was starting to get discouraged all over again. And it was it was parts of me that wanted to quit and you know, and give up at some point because I was like, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm doing everything I need to do. Why can't yeah. I get to that mainstream level? Like what's mm -hmm. stopping me? Like what's going on? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that was when things started to get low for me again. You know what I'm saying? Because right. I couldn't, it seemed like I couldn't break a barrier, a certain barrier. I couldn't right. understand why. And I started questioning God again. Okay, Lord, what's going on? Why can't I bust through and get mm -hmm. to where I want to get to? So that's how my life again started to kind of go downhill because I started to get discouraged. I started to get upset because, you know, things wasn't going the way I wanted it to, or I expected it to, even though the money was good and I was getting recognition and, and a little bit of fame or whatnot, but I mm. felt I could do more. I felt like I could do better. I felt like I was better than where I was, you know, currently at. Yeah. And I started to, go back into that suicidal state again. And I, I yeah. attempted suicide again on my life because I got to a point where I was just getting frustrated. And, you know, like I said, basketball was in the back of my mind and, you know, maybe going back to it, but I wasn't reaching the level of success I wanted to in the entertainment industry. So it was, it was a lot going on within my mind, within my life. And, you know, which led me to go down, downhill again, you know, right. so, yeah. Right. Right. Well, guess what? I've just seen one of your clips, but I'm going to play a small little clip of one of your reels. Um, hopefully I can find it. Uh, I think this this part, what you showed um, in this acting, I felt very proud. 
because I can imagine there are a lot of things going on in your mind and you were thinking about what do I do now? How do I move forward? Right. But in this video here, I'm going to see if I can show it here. And I'm sure you remember this one very well. So this is one, it's called Born Virgin Again. Terror roommates. Mm. I refuse to answer that on grounds it may incriminate me. <laughs> <laughs> nah, she's good people. She's good people. You, you seem like you're on top of things too. Thank you. I mean, none of the other public relation guys I spoke with actually play video games. Really? Oh, see, I love games. I lean more towards the sports than the violence side, though. I mean, I don't know where I grew up. Carjacking wasn't fun. <laughs> me either. Me either. So, uh, you want to play? I mean, I'm down, but don't you have other friends to meet with? Nah, nah, I think I can uh, put in my schedule. Hmm? All right, let's yeah. go. Yeah! <laughs> yes! In your face! Go, 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 go. You're no longer than the, what, last three times that I beat you? <laughs> and with your own man, is he supposed to be professional? Come on, go, 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 go. I'm never going to forget this ass whooping. Go, 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 go. Yes! Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. Boom! Now, you're probably wondering, why am I showing this? Because there's something significant about this, this little clip here, what you did, just for a second. Now, I would have looked at that and thinking, wow, Kenyon is an actor, a natural actor. Yeah. You're, you're from MBA, you're from a country boy, and you end up being there, I would have thought, this guy's been in Hollywood for probably 13, 14 years. Tell us the feeling of that actual clip, of that time of performing. What was your feeling? Did you see yourself in a different limelight when you were doing that? <clears throat> well, you know, what's interesting is when you, when you get into the entertainment industry and you start doing projects, um, you really kind of do projects and you you you've done the project and you go on to the next project so even when they show it on tv or show it on the big screen um the first time i saw myself i was amazed i was like wow look at this i'm an actor man like i made the big screen you know what i'm saying i'm on tv like this is unbelievable you know kind of the same feeling not well not as powerful when i made it to the nba but um you, you know it's still that sense of satisfaction that sense of joy that you accomplished like something that a lot of people can't accomplish or haven't accomplished. So, you know, it, it was a proud moment for me to see myself on the screen like that. It was like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool, man. Look at this. Like, you know, my mom watched it, my dad watched it, and my little, you know, siblings watched it. And they was like, yo, dude, you doing your thing out there, huh? So, um, you know, it's always that proud moment that you just, you know, you have to sit back and kind of be proud of your work and, and, and proud of your accomplishment. Um, but never really satisfied, um, you know, even though, like I said, I was getting opportunities, but really never satisfied, you know, it was just that thing that, you know, I, I could be doing more, I could be doing bigger. So, um, yeah, it was a good moment. Don't get me wrong. I'm proud of yeah. everything accomplished, but it's, it's always that thing. I want to be more, I want to be, you know, I want to, I told you before, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with being great. I want okay. to be great, you right. know, and I'm obsessed with it and I, I can't settle for anything more anything less 
So right. you know, I, I I achieve different you know things like like you just so show that clip, which is good, but you know it's like I want to be I want to be better. I could be doing better, you know. Right, right, right. Now let me before I go into your book because you said some very interesting things that make my mind tick over. To be great, does it mean always being in the public eye, or to be great is to believe in yourself, and no matter how small it may be, you still have an effect on people. Which would you say? The definitely the second one. <clears throat> I mean, I'm not a I'm not obsessed with being in the public eye. Uh, I could care less about being in the public eye, but when I say great is, I mean being the best version of myself that I could possibly be, being the greatest Kenyan Glover that I could possibly be, leaving it all out there, giving 1,000%, and being the greatest person, the greatest actor, the greatest NBA player, whatever, the greatest, whatever you're trying to do, whatever I'm trying to do, I just want to be the best at it. That's what I say, you know, when I say being great. Um, you know, it has nothing to do with financial or public eye or fame or anything like that. I just want to be the greatest person that I know that I can be. And that's why I say I think I haven't even reached my greatness yet. I'm still climbing to be great. So um, I think that's why I'm so hard on myself because I haven't reached that greatness. I haven't felt I've reached it yet. Right. So that's why I think I'm so hard on myself, man, each and every day, knowing that I can be better. Right, right. Okay, now your book. The book that you've written, and you put your blood and your sweat into that book. I've read the first chapter. I'm like, okay, this is a very heavy message. Tell us about the title and the reason why you wrote that book. So the title is The Rebirth and Resurrection of a New Man. Um, the, the book came about because, honestly, God gave me the vision. I was just literally at a very low point in my life, I was going through a lot of, of, of down and negative things that was going on in my life at the time. And I needed an outlet. And I didn't want to go to a counselor or a therapist and, and do the whole, that whole thing. So I was like, Lord, I need to release this frustration. I need to release this, this anger, this built up um, um, depression. I was depressed at that time when I wrote this book. I was going through more suicidal thoughts. Um, I was deep down in the valley of darkness, man, to be honest, and I needed an outlet. So God, it's like God told me to write it out. Whatever you're going through right now, I need you to write it out. Write your frustrations out. Write your depression out. Write your confusion. Write whatever you're going. Write it out. Get your emotions out. So I just sat down. I started writing. I was in my mm. car every day. I literally wrote a journal in my car, sitting in my mm. car every day. And I was writing out the things I was going through, things I could think about in the past, things I was, you know, going through currently. And as I was writing it out and <clears throat> as I was releasing it, I started to feel better and better each and every day. You know, each mm -hmm. and every day I would write, I would feel better. And before you know it, I was, I got everything out and a friend of mine read it and he was like, yo, dude, this is, this is powerful, man. You can change mm. lives with this stuff. And he was like, you changed my life, you know? And I was yeah. like, for real, you think so? And he was like, you should, you should make this into a book. And it was mm -hmm. like, God, it was like God was directing me to make that into a book. So mm -hmm. 
that's what I sat down and I said, you know, Lord, if you gave me this vision, so how should I move forward with this? So I sat down and start writing it in a book format. I started writing it in chapters and things like that and organizing it. So <clears throat> I said, okay, I, now I need a title. <laughs> what is the right. title going to be? I have no idea how to title the book. So I need something catchy. And God gave me the vision again. He said, the rebirth and resurrection of a new man. Mm. I'm like, oh, what does that title mean? And as I start thinking about it, as I reread what I wrote, um, it, it dawned on me that I had pretty much, I had pretty much been transformed as I was writing whatever I was writing out. I was mm. being born because I was letting all that depression, all that frustration, I was letting it go. I was mm. burying it. And I said, Lord, I no longer want this. I no longer want to feel what I'm feeling. I don't want to be depressed anymore. I don't want to be frustrated. I don't want to feel defeated. I don't mm -hmm. want it anymore. I want to let it go. I want to give it to you. I want to bury it. So it was like he said, okay, bury it. Now I need you to be reborn and resurrected. A totally different person, you mm -hmm. know? And, you know, like it says in the Bible, you know, we, we, we bury our sins. We, we, we die along with Christ and we resurrected with Christ, a new person. You know, for any man being Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I knew that I was a new man. I was, mm -hmm. I, I felt like I had been reborn. I felt like I had been resurrected. My mind was renewed. My thoughts was renewed. I felt afresh. I felt power, empowered. I felt, um, you know, awakened, reawakened. And mm -hmm. that's how the book came about, man. And Ever since then, man, I'm so grateful on how the, the, the book has, you know, attained so much success and so many right. people have been, have been empowered by it and inspired by it and motivated by it. And it's been a phenomenal journey, man. Um, right. it's, it's, it's to a point where I'm glad that I was able to take the journey that I was on. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that God, you know, took me on that journey because I wouldn't have been the man that I am today. Um, right. I wouldn't have had the outlook that I have today um, because the journey is the part of the process that's going mm. to get you, get you to the point where you're destined to go. You know, right. you have to go through pain. You got to experience hurt. You got to go through trials and tribulations. You mm. have, that's part of the process. You mm -hmm. know, I tell, people, I tell people the four P's, you know, yeah. use that pain as the process to propel you to your purpose, right. you know? And that's what my book pretty much talks about. It talks about the pain that I had to endure, the pain that I went through. But all throughout that pain, I had the hand of God on my life throughout right. all of that. God right. was directing my steps. God brought me through. He brought me to it, he brought me through it because I had to use that pain to propel me to my purpose. Right. And that, you know, that's pretty much the, the message in my book. You know, it talks about the pain and how I was over, overcame the pain and how God brought me through it, how God's hand was always on my life. When I thought that he wasn't there for me, yeah. when I thought he just left me, when I thought yeah. he forgot about me, he didn't. He was there all that time, getting me through it, guiding me through it, you know, right. and, and here I am now, man, feeling more alive than I've ever felt. Right, right, right. So what response are you getting from people with your book? Uh, are they young men? adult parents who's responding to your books 
You know what? Everybody has been responding, man. You know, it's funny because a mother of a child that her child is in prison right now. Mm. And she sent, she sent him my book and she sent me the letter that he wrote me yesterday. And the mm. letter said, um, thank, you know, thanks for the inspiration. You know, your book inspired me because of your book, because of your journey, I decided to be reborn myself and give my life. Wow. And that just, <laughs> God, I'm getting emotional now. Um, that touched my life, man. And, and it, it's been changing a lot of people's lives, man. And um, like I said, I couldn't have done this without God. God gave wow. me that. God gave me the, 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 the power to write that book. God gave me the words to put into that book. And the reception I've been receiving since I released it, man, has been tremendous. I mean, people from what ages, I think 12 to, you know, 40s and 50s have read my book and, right. and have been empowered and inspired and motivated. So it's it's a book for all ages, honestly. Right, right, right. Now, that look back now, when you look back, country boy, <laughs> NBA, UK, uh, going to the uh, entertainment and now the book. What does that whole journey tell you about you now on the book? <laughs> um, be, be careful what you pray for. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a big saying because my mom said, what you ask for, you get it, receive yes. it. Yes. All right. Be careful what you pray for, because I always prayed that God would use me to change the world. And I think I prayed that prayer at a young age. But a lot of people, you know, you got to people, you got to, I think Steve Harvey said it. Sometimes you got to, you better be prepared for what you pray for, because if you pray <clears throat> to help change the world, you better get ready for the process that's going to have to change first. Right. You know? the process that's going to have to change you first is right. going to be the most difficult process because how can you change the world if you're not changed, you know? Right. So God had to change me first. God had to transform me first. I had to go through the fire. You know, he said, when you right. go through the fire, you will not be burned, but I had to go through the fire. I had to endure the trials and tribulations. I had to get through it, through it in order to be, you know, the person that I am today to go out and help change the world. So be careful what you pray for, because <laughs> <laughs> you know you never know what's on the other end. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Kenton, I'm telling you, I've got so much questions burning my mind, but I believe we've got to somebody open the floor. Uh, we have uh, somebody in the room. If you want to ask a question, please, this is an opportunity to text or unmute yourself and ask Kenyon a question. So go ahead. No, I just, I just wanna, I wanna praise you for, for what you're doing. It's, I guess there's people out there that they need to hear this. Thank you, thank you so much, thank you so much. This and this is why I do it. This is why I do it to hopefully, you know, empower as many people as I can. This is the mission that I'm on. This is the mission that God gave me. This is the assignment that God gave me. So, I'm just excited that I can go out and and help change people's lives and help get you know help people to get through whatever they're going through hopefully my book will help people to get through 
whatever they're going through in hard times and dark times. I know how it is. I've been there. Mm-hmm. I can relate. You know, I can relate being down in the darkness and 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 feeling like you can't make it, feel like you can't go on. I've been there. So I just want to be used by God to help people, you know, help change people's lives. So that's my mm-hmm. mission. Thank you so much. Yeah. Actually, okay. as well, can I ask you, where do where can you get the book? Is it from Amazon or or yeah, yeah. You, it's on Amazon. I, yeah, okay. the rebirth and resurrection of a new man. Just go to Amazon. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks. I definitely will put the link in for the recording, Kemi. Um, you will get the link to his book. You can click on that on your latest purchase book. But before okay. I go, Kemi, what was the most thing you learned today in this presentation for you? Um, I think the way he was saying, um, I think the story of him trying to kill himself, that God, I guess God, God doesn't want him to, to die. He has a he has a purpose in this life that he has to inspire other people. That's what caught my attention. Right, right. Fantastic. So this is this is why we invite people on uh, Kenya, because these are stories what people want. Because as you know, your book coming out at the right time with the pandemic. Yes. It can't be a better time. And I, and again. God has a way of doing things at a certain time right. that we think, okay, I want to do it tomorrow. Most of us say, no, you're doing it today. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's why I said your book coming out at the right time, all what you've been through, that book is a revelation for anybody to pick up and read right now. Because right now the lockdown is causing families and children even the age of four, yes. depression, heartache. They're not used to this kind of environment. So right. this can't be a better time where your book is coming. That's why I think your your energy are putting more into it because of the feedback you're getting. Yes, yes, right? absolutely. absolutely. So what I want to ask you is what's the next step? Now that you've got your book, what's your long-term plan? Well, you know what? Um, I, I actually want to go out and speak, man. I want to go out and speak to the world. I want to go and... Um, I'm trying to get myself into school systems around the world to go out and empower kids, empower, empower high school students, um, junior high students, college students, um, you know, just to empower them man, to inspire them and motivate them to keep, keep following their dreams, keep going after their dreams. Um, so I want to travel the world. That's the mission right now. Travel the world, empowering as many people as I can, motivating as many people as I can, inspiring as many people as I can. Um, I want to come there to England and inspire yeah. people hopefully soon. Um, so that's that's the mission I'm on right now. Of course, I'm, I want to write another book probably later on this year. Uh, whatever you know, I, I give it to God and let me you know let Him direct my steps and give me the vision of, of what He want me to write next. Um, so I want to keep. I just want to keep inspiring people, man. That's I feel like that's the purpose that that God kept me here for. You know. Right. To, to go out and, and, and help change the world, to go out and inspire and empower people. So um, right. as long as I as long as I can breathe and talk and walk, that's what I want to do. Absolutely. When I look at what you've shared, and I'm I'm ending it here now, you have won an NBA award. This is your award. <laughs> <laughs> the actual playing the game, it didn't happen, but it's like God has made it said, hey. The NBA physical 
award is now your award. Yes. Because everybody loud you're changing, that is the award. Yes, absolutely. It's greater than holding that trophy at the NBA, which is a good feeling, but you've already lifted up that trophy already. I agree. I agree. Powerful. Yes. Uh, and this is what I love about God. The way he thinks, oh, you're like, what? Really? That's why he said his ways are not your ways. Exactly. And you have to get into that mindset of how he thinks in order to not contradict how we're thinking. Right. And I think that's why your book, as you said, is powerful to find a mother whose son, is, I believe, is in prison, is getting the award. Yes. I mean, yes. What, award, what better award can you get than that? Yes. yes. So, so the, the loophole that you've jumped, it was a personal experience, it was a spiritual journey, what you wanted to get, but look at the end result. And, and that, that's what I know about God. He never lets you down. He never disappoints you. You go wrong way, you come back another way. Yeah, there right? it is. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So, Kenneth, what would your last word be for anybody out there who feels a bit low, feels out of place? What would your final word be for your final message? You know what? Like I said earlier, let that pain push you to your purpose. You know, we all got to go through pain. We all got to suffer. We all got to go through trials and tribulations. But every every opportunity of loss, every opportunity of pain, every opportunity of trials and tribulations and hurt and heartache, use that opportunity to make you stronger. Use that opportunity to make you more resilient. Use that opportunity to push through because we all got to push through. We all got to go through problems. We all got to go through issues and struggles. But it's the struggles, it's, it's, the, it's the breaking that produces the blessing. Mm. You feel like you're at the, the, the level where you're about to break. That's the moment that you are pretty much at your breakthrough. It's just got to keep pushing through. Every person in this world has it in them to keep fighting, to keep pushing through. You're destined for greatness. God, if, you, if you're looking at this right now, if you're listening to this right now, that's, that means you're still alive. That means God wants to still use you. You're not dead yet. So you still mm -hmm. have a purpose. You're still here for a reason. God mm -hmm. wants to use you. So don't mm -hmm. ever give up on life. Don't ever give up on yourself. Don't ever give up on God because God is not going to give up on you. He wants mm -hmm. to use you. He wants to propel you to your purpose. You have a purpose. So don't give up. Keep pushing forward. Wow, absolutely. Thank you so much indeed, Kenyon. I'll tell you, I've enjoyed this interview. And I always say to people, it's not about numbers. It's about the results. Yes. You can have one, you could go out there, Kenyon, in Chicago, and you can be speaking to 500 people. One receives the message. Yes. That's all you can go out, you know, you can go out on the fisherman boat, you put that nut out, you can't guarantee you're going to get a lot of fish. You might pull out two or one fish. Right. And that's the journey. And that's why I appreciate and I salute you and I praise the most high that you continue to do this work. Because even if it's one, one is more precious than five or six. Yes. You know why? Because they were there at the right time. God sent them there for a purpose. Exactly. So that me and you can get a message and say, you know what? This work is worth it. Exactly. Well, there. well said, sir. Well said.
Absolutely, absolutely. So thank you so much indeed for your time. I really appreciate it. And I'll tell you what, if it's up for it, I'd love to do a part two. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, hey, because I believe this is a journey already. Yeah. This is a new journey for people in UK to get to understand that book was not written for no reason. Exactly. It was written for a reason. Now, are you going to be on it or you'll be against it? They've got to pick. Yeah. But you can't make people's choices change. It's their choice. Right. Yeah. But you've right. got a choice. Your choice is I've done the book. You take the pick now. You want it or you want to you leave it? Exactly. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Thank absolutely. You. Thank you so much for having me on, man. This has been a great, great interview, man. Um, hopefully, whoever watches it, uh, listen to it, man, is empowered, inspired, motivated, and uh, able to keep pushing, move, keep moving forward, man. Thank absolutely. Keep up the good work, keep moving forward, and we'll definitely keep in touch. And uh, and Kemi, thank you for your question. And I'm hoping that you get into buying his book and then you can get that word out as well and you're able to use it and have a testimony back to Kenyon. Yes. Uh, all right. Thank you, everybody. Look after you safe. Stay safe. And the most I bless you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Side Street Boys. Forever and a day will be. Far away. Far away. Forever and a day we will be together. What happened here? And when it causes, yes, as the petals blow and fade away, I found a broken heart again today. I found a broken heart again.
forever.